Chapter Seven of The History of Burke and Hare and of the Resurrectionist Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The History of Burke and Hare by George McGregor. Chapter Seven: New Prospects, Description of Hare's House, The Murder of Abigail Simpson, The Old Woman from Gilmerton, The Two Sick Men. The success of their first transaction with the doctors developed new feelings in the hearts of Burke and Hare and their two female companions. Their minds, unconsciously, had been undergoing a degrading process and the action they had taken with regard to the old pensioner's body opened up the way to them into a more complete state of moral turpitude they thought they saw in this new traffic if they could by any means obtain possession of the remains of their fellow-creatures an easier method of attaining a comfortable livelihood than any they had yet tried even though it should involve the committal of murder for they seemed fatally blind to the consequences which it was certain such a course as they contemplated would in all probability bring to them their argument it may be assumed was that if they got bodies to sell no matter how they would be able to throw off suspicion and instead of doing what others then did go to the churchyards and plunder them of their ghastly contents they took for their motto the significant question burke put to the student when he was negotiating for the sale of donald's body when you give a pound more for a fresh one it was perhaps the case that they did not make up any definite plan of operations for the future but it is beyond doubt that the outline of the plan they ultimately adopted was suggested by the conversation in knox's rooms while the details in respect of the individual members may have been worked out as occasion presented each act leading on to the next until the last foul crime was committed before beginning the horrid record it would be well to give a description of the scene of the enactment of most of the crimes logs lodging house and tanner's close the entry from the street says leighton begins with a descent of a few steps and is dark from the superincumbent land on proceeding downwards you came for the house which was raised for shame is no longer to be seen to a smallish self-contained dwelling of one flat and consisting of three apartments one passing down the close might with an observant eye have seen into the front room but this disadvantage was compensated by the house being disjoined from other dwellings and a ticket beds to let as an invitation to vagrants so many of whom were destined never to come out alive distinguished it still more the outer apartment was large occupied all round by these structures called beds composed of knocked-up fir stumps and covered with a few grey sheets and brown blankets among which the squalid wanderer sought rest and the profligate snored out his debauch under the weight of nightmare another room opening from this was also comparatively large and furnished much in the same manner in place of any concealment being practised so far impossible indeed in the case of a public lodging-house the door stood generally open and as we have said 
the windows were overlooked by the passengers up and down but as the spider's net is spread open while his small keep is a secret hole so here there was a small apartment or rather closet the window of which looked upon a pigsty and a dead wall and into which as we know were introduced those unhappy beings destined to death the very character of the house a continued scene of roused passions saved it from that observation which is directed towards temporary tumults so that no surprise could have been excited by cries of suffering issuing from such a place even if they could have been heard from the interior den and that was still more impossible from the extraordinary mode of extinguishing life adopted by the wary and yet unwary colleagues in this inner apartment burke used to work when he did work which always seldom soon came to be rare and eventually relinquished for other wages in this place donald the pensioner died and here it was that the most terrible series of modern tragedies was committed the plan having been agreed upon by the two confederates it is doubtful if the two women had anything to do with its formation hare began by prowling about the streets to see if he could fall in with any person who would make a likely subject upon whom they could practise for a time he was unsuccessful but at length an opportunity arrived this was according to burke's confession of the third january eighteen twenty nine early in the spring of eighteen twenty eight and according to the one published in the edinburgh evening current on the eleventh february leighton however says it was one afternoon in december eighteen twenty seven though he gives no other reason for differing from burke though in this instance the criminal does not speak generally but with absolute definiteness whichever month it was the fact is certain that one afternoon hare met an old woman the worse of drink in the grass market this was abigail simpson belonging to gilmerton a village on the outskirts of edinburgh who had come into the city to obtain the pension granted her by a gentleman in the new town sir john hope it has been suggested who gave her one and sixpence a week and a can of kitchen fee her call had been made and some of the money she had apparently spent in drink for she was under the influence of it when she met hare he thought she looked a fitting subject she was old and weakly and the little strength of mind and body left her by her potations could surely be overcome very easily if she were once in a suitable place for the commission of his shocking design hare spoke to her professing that he had seen her before and she garrulous and doted readily entered into conversation with him speedily they became fast friends and he easily persuaded her to accompany him to his house where they would have a dram together in honour of their happy meeting once in the house mrs simpson was treated with overflowing kindness she was introduced to burke as an old friend and the whisky was placed before her she and the others partook of the liquor though it is probable that her entertainers were more circumspect than she was in her libations highly pleased with her reception she told all about herself and her affairs and of how she had a fine young daughter at home who was both good and beautiful hare said he was a bachelor and he spoke to the old woman of marrying her daughter so that they would have all the money among them when the supply of drink was finished mrs hare bought the can of kitchen fee from mrs simpson for one and sixpence 
and this money was also expended in the purchase of more whiskey for the use of the company the fun became fast and furious the old woman crooned some of the songs of her youth and burke who as it has already been seen was himself something of a musician contributed his share to the harmony of the evening it was proposed that mrs simpson should not go home that night and to this she readily assented for as the current confession of burke puts it she was so drunk she could not go home this was their chance but somehow or other it was not taken advantage of perhaps it was because they were not old hands at the trade and they lacked sufficient courage at the time to carry out their evil intentions against the old woman just as likely they were too much intoxicated themselves to commit the crime possibly they were joined by other lodgers before whom they could not act be that as it may the poor victim lay the last night of her life in a state of thorough intoxication when morning came she was sick and vomiting and cried to be taken home to her daughter her entertainers expressed the utmost sympathy for her condition and in their brutal kindness they gave her some porter and whiskey which quickly made her again helplessly drunk the time had now arrived the house was quiet and the courage of the two men was sufficient for the deed they contemplated hare placed his hand over her mouth and nose to stop her breathing and burke laid himself across her body in order to prevent her making any disturbance resistance there was really none the woman was beyond resistance and any noise she might have been able to make was stifled by the method adopted to compass her death in a few minutes she was dead and the men lifted the body out of the bed undressed it and bundled it up in a chest hare took away the clothing among which was a drab mantle and a white grounded cotton shawl with blue spots with the intention of putting it in the canal one of the men afterwards informed dr knox's students they had another subject to give them and it was agreed that a porter from surgeon's square should meet them at the back of the castle in the evening burke and hare carried the chest with its ghastly contents to the meeting-place and thence the porter assisted them with it to the rooms dr knox says burke came in when they were there the body was cold and stiff dr knox approved of it being so fresh but did not ask any questions the price paid by the murderers for the corpse of old abigail simpson of gilmerton was ten pounds the work of wholesale murder was now fairly begun and the conspirators had gained confidence by the success of their first effort there were no qualms of conscience if there were they were speedily drowned in drink strong enough to stop them in the course upon which they had so rapidly entered the fear of discovery had passed away when they saw how easily and quietly they could work and the desire for more victims became shall we charitably say a mania the next unfortunate who fell into their foul clutches was a miller known to burke simply as joseph the man was related by marriage to one of the partners of the Cairn iron company then the principal iron founding firm in scotland and at one time had himself been in possession of a decent competency he had however lost his money and was so reduced that he had to reside in hare's house in tanner's close joseph while lodging there became very ill and the report went forth that the malady by which he was attacked was an infectious fever hare and his wife were alarmed lest the rumour should damage the reputation of their house 
and keep lodgers away. It was accordingly agreed that Joseph should be put out of the way as quickly as possible, and that by the remedy they had applied so successfully in the case of Mrs. Simpson, Burke laid a small pillow over the sick man's mouth, and Hare lay across the body to keep down his arms and legs. Death ensued as a matter of course, and the body was sold in Surgeon Square for ten pounds. It does certainly seem strange that such a set of circumstances should lead up to the murder of the miller, and having in view the line of conduct these two men had now adopted, it is more than probable that the report of Joseph lying ill of fever was circulated by them to avert suspicion at his disappearance, and render his death from apparently natural causes more probable. Another case very similar to this one, but in all likelihood distinct from it, is mentioned in one of the Confessions of Burke, which, though not to be depended upon absolutely, must be assumed to be accurate in their main features. In the current confession the condemned man mentions the murder of an Englishman as having followed that of Mrs. Simpson, though in the document prepared by the sheriff clerk the case of Joseph the Miller is given in its place. The victim in this other instance was a native of Cheshire, also a lodger in Hare's house, who was ill with jaundice at the time of the tragedy with Abigail Simpson was being enacted. He was a very tall man, about forty years of age, and found a livelihood by selling spunks, or matches, on the streets of Edinburgh. His death was caused by the efficient plan now adopted by Burke and Hare, who obtained the customary ten pounds from Dr. Knox for the body, and no questions asked. As indicative, however, of the untrustworthiness of these confessions. It is interesting to notice at this point that while in the document published in the current, and attested as correct by Burke's own signature, the murder of the Englishman is placed in point of time after that of Simpson, yet, in the official confession, emitted fully a fortnight earlier, the commission of the crime is stated to have occurred in May, and as the fourth on the terrible list. It is nevertheless to be feared that although there may be some doubt as to the exact dates when some of the murders were committed, Burke did not make full confession of the various acts of wanton sacrifice of human life in which he had been engaged, perhaps unfortunately because they were so numerous, and were done in such a short space of time that his memory could not carry every individual case in its proper details. End of chapter 7 Recording by Greg Giordano, Newport Ritchie, Florida.